This is Your Working Life, a podcast show that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a career and executive coach. And on today's show, I welcome Brian Buffini to the show. Brian, welcome to the show. We're going to dive into a juicy conversation about how to achieve the American dream from your perspective as an immigrant. Welcome. Thanks, Caroline. Thanks for having me. So let's go back in time. You are an American immigrant. And tell me what brought you here and give us some scoop about the first few years in the U.S. (laughs) Well, I uh, I'm the f- a fifth generation painter and decorator son from the south side of Dublin in Ireland. I came to the states in 1986 with 92 bucks in my wallet, and uh, shortly thereafter got in a very serious motorcycle accident and uh, in and out of hospital for the next couple of years. Owed a quarter of a million dollars in bills, uh, but I started out from that spot and uh, did a lot of different odd jobs. Uh, photographs and, and the photo mat. I worked as a security guard, which was funny with a broken leg, um, and sold t-shirts at the beach and eventually got my real estate license. And um, the real estate business at the time was a very aggressive business, and I was very much raised with relationships and exceeding people's expectations and building long-term customers. So I took that approach, and within a couple of years, I was one of the top realtors in the state of California. So Broke at 19, millionaire 26, and by 28, people would ask me to come and share what I did and how I did it. And so I started doing a bit of speaking. And, uh, you know, all Irish people can speak. You know your last name. You're a great speaker. So um, the next thing you know, we started our training company, and um, we've trained 3 million business professionals in 37 countries. And I now have a coaching company that coaches 20,000 small business owners all over the world. So... Um, then you wake up one morning, you're married, six kids, you have hundreds of employees, and how did I get here, as the song says. There you go. Brian, your gorgeous last name sounds Italian to me. Is there some Italian blood in that lovely Irish family? It's a true story. How does some uh, an Italian get to Ireland? And so they were apparently they were wine merchants in Venice, and they ended up in Dublin, in Cork in Ireland. So what we think they were put on a boat involuntarily is what, as best as we can ascertain the ancestry. So, but they ended up being house painters, and uh, I ended up uh, being a, a business coach. So it's, it's, it's an interesting line, that's for sure. It's a brilliant thing. And who knows, we may be related somewhere, because my yeah. grandmother was from Cork, and my grandmother and my grandfather came to the U.S., and my father is first-generation American. So we've got a lot of things in common. But I, I love your energy, Brian. It's just palpable. I can, I can hear it in your voice. But help me unpack the American dream, because you wrote about this so beautifully in your book, The Emigrant Edge, How to Make It Big in America. So as a young lad in Ireland, did you always aspire to come to the States? Was that American dream something that you really thought about? Yeah, well, you know, as you would know, uh, many Irish families have a relative in America. And, um, you know, the, the old phrase... This, this, the streets aren't li- lined with gold in America, but you might have to pave them. And so, um, you know, I think we've always had a favorable view of the American spirit, the American mindset, entrepreneurism. You know, you can be who you want to be. The class system, where you were born, what school you went to, was not uh, basically going to dictate the rest of your life. And I still believe that's the case today. And so here I am, an immigrant who came here with nothing. And the number one dominant feeling in my life is this tremendous sense of gratitude that I have 
for the country I came to, for the people who let me sell their first homes when I was a kid, and but they gave me a chance. And then when I built a business, they gave me more opportunities. And I'm very, very thankful. And it was ultimately, a couple of years ago, I read a uh, Harvard Institute of Politics report that said 50% of millennials no longer believe the American dream is possible. And then 50% of baby boomers believed that their children won't have it as good as they uh, are having it. And I just said, wow. I, I have to do something. I have to, I want to give something back. You know, I've, I've had a great life here and I've built a fortune and a family and a business. And uh, I said, I got to do something. So I started writing. And, and as you know, speaking and writing is not at all the same skill. Right. Uh, and so, um, but I had a gal from Ireland who helped me out and she's a huge best-selling author in her own right. And we worked together for the past two years and put together this book to really give something back and say, hey, you know what? I believe that more millionaires will be, five times more millionaires will be created in the next 50 years than in the last 50. There's a lot of opportunity here. The American dream is not dead. Um, in, in fact, it's probably more doable today than ever before. And I wanted to bring these seven traits that I've seen in people who, like myself, came here with nothing and made it big and said, these things are applicable to you no matter where you're born. Uh, why don't you try them on for size? You know, Brian, you so beautifully talk about this in the book, this voracious openness to learn. And I can hear that true hunger in, in the very positive sense of the word that you have to, to learn and do whatever it takes. And you have this tremendous work ethic. Do you think Americans are lacking that now? Is that something that you uniquely brought with you? Or did you feel that here? Well, you know, here's the thing is that I, I came here and I discovered the American self-development movement, which had been alive and well for 125 years. You know, I, I get about 4,000 requests for speaking engagements a year. And I'm going to tell you, two-thirds of them are overseas because overseas is just waking up to this. They're just starting. But in America has this from acres of diamonds to think and grow rich to the strangest secret with Errol Nightingale, Dorothea Brands, uh, Wake Up and Live, uh, Napoleon Hill, you know, you name it. Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, these guys became mentors and ultimately friends. And I became a personal growth junkie who then applied what he learned. And so that voracious openness to learn is something that when you, when you plant in America and there's so many assets around and so many seminars to go to and so many podcasts and programs like yours, which is, you know, fabulous and, and just people can tune in. I mean, what a gift that people can tune in if they want to improve their career or they want to have a change of career, they want to live their passion, you know, they can tune into you. I mean, and, and how fabulous is that? So there's a bunch of resources, but the key is, you know, uh, you know, you got to take it, listen to it, absorb it, and then you got to go do something with it. You know, the old faith without works is dead, right? You, you can't just live on the personal growth. You got to go and apply it. So that's where the voracious openness to learn works with the do whatever it takes mindset, and then ultimately the willingness to outwork others. Well, you are a perfect example of what we call a lifelong learner, and and I'm with you. The self help movement has really propelled me in my Ooh. career and also in my life. One thing that I wanted to to identify, though, you also talk about in these seven traits, you're okay with delayed gratification. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that, because I see especially our, our younger people in their 20s who are just getting into the career world are looking for faster and more immediate gratification. And you and I both know it takes time. Well, everything does, right? I mean, there, there's there's basic laws of the universe, right? There's reaping and sowing. And, and, and if you plant your seed and pull it up in three days, you know, you're in trouble. 
you know, there's there's the growth cycle. And, you know, today we live in a world where you scroll down on your phone and you're waiting a second. It's like, oh, my gosh, the connection's so slow. Hey, it's got to go up to space to a satellite and come down. Can you chill out for a second? And so the key is you have to have the ability to discipline yourself in the short term to enjoy the greater rewards in the long term. And and that's one of the prerequisites for big success. You can you can you can have very small successes, you can have small wins if you want instant gratification, but you'll never have the big wins. You won't grow trees, you might grow ferns, you know, and so it takes a while, and it takes a while. You have to you have to do an awful lot more of putting the good stuff in, and of the growing. You have to you have to go to a lot of classes. You have to really try a lot of stuff. You have to listen to a lot of stuff, and you have to try and be willing to take a chance. And then you find out, okay, this worked. I like this better than others. You know, you're more of an expert in this area as far as finding your perfect career path. But sometimes, to me, it's a process of elimination more than a process of selection. You know, you do 10 things and you like you like one of them. Great. There was nine things that didn't work. And so I'm going to focus on the one. And so ultimately you have to delay the gratification. If you need it all now, you won't get you won't get a great result. Brian, there's no doubt that you are extraordinarily successful. Do you define success differently now than than you may have years ago? Has that evolved? Sure. Sure, I think it has to. You know, it for for me in at, at twenty one or twenty years of age, uh, success was paying the bills and um, uh, you know the guys that were calling me late at night saying you don't have your money for your uh, ambulance bills. You know that was one level of success. And then you grow along, and I think over time as you develop as a person, your definition of success. You know, today much of my life is around service and giving back. You know, I've made. Uh, outrageously more money than I ever thought it would in my life. And, you know, I have a foundation now. I spend a lot of my time and energy giving back. When I, The idea run that writing this book, I, I wasn't uh, trying to make a New York Times bestseller. I wasn't, I was like, I want to do something and I want to give something back to the country that's been so good to me. Well, and, and congratulations on being a New York Times bestseller. That is a huge, huge achievement. So well done you. Well, I have a great team around me, to be honest with you now. You know, that's, the good news is you get you get successful enough, you surround yourself with very good people who can do a great job. And so if they can make a lad from Dublin a New York Times bestseller, they can probably do it for anybody, you know? Well, spoken like a true leader, you, you don't do it alone. You've got an amazing team. I hear that spirit of gratitude in your voice, Brian. Tell me, you call it your magic sauce. Did that come innately to you? Is that something your family instilled or did you develop that on your own? Well, definitely. I definitely got that from my mother and father. I mean, my mother used to say it costs nothing to say thank you, please, and thank you. And it's been a big deal with my own children, I, you know, my own six kids. And so, you know, my kids, I think the, the big thing is this. Here's the power of it, is right now my, my biggest concern culturally is we have this creeping sense of entitlement going through the culture. And you can find yourself, whatever you think you're entitled to is what you complain about the most. And it is not possible to have a heart full of gratitude and have a heart full of entitlement at the same time. You, you can't have a heart full of gratitude and also uh, think that, you know, life isn't fair. You can't have a heart full of gratitude and be cynical at the same time. And so to me, you know, Cicero said it a long time ago. He said gratitude is not only the, the greatest of all virtues. He said it's the parent of all others. And if you want to grow your character and have a, a more character-built, virtuous life, Gratitude is the place to start. And here's the thing. It doesn't take anything to start. You just start writing personal notes and saying thank you. You know, for us, our company, we produce 10 million personal notes a year for our clients. 
because I talk to people about writing thank you notes to my customers. This is one of the way I built my business. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, I appreciate your referrals. Thanks for thinking of me. Uh, thanks for such a great experience. I, I thank them all the time. And so I've taught that to my customers. And my customers said, hey, can you produce this stuff for me? So that's one of the things we do for our customers. So uh, here's, here's what's funny. Gratitude can be a real big business. Yes. And so I just think it's such a power. I think it'll, it'll tap into you. It'll be the difference when you go up to the checkout stand. Or the, uh, you're getting that on the airplane. Uh, I've been upgraded to first class many times in my life when all I was was pleasant and pleasing and gave good energy to the gal who was doing the very best she could when the flight was delayed an hour. And, um, you know, always the, the waiters and waitresses, I'll take their name, I'll write them a little note. And this is how, this is as simple as that all sounds. I put techniques to it and, and disciplines to it so that I'd write 10 personal notes a day to people I came in contact with or people I had a good experience with. Neil Armstrong, you know, our era our is Magellan. He came out of retirement, hadn't made a public appearance in 15 years. I got him to come to our event because I wrote him a series of personal notes and thanked him for his service. That's incredible. Well, well cheers to your mom. She trained you well. Absolutely. So let's talk. I, I found this interesting fact in your book that 65% of your clients are women, which you yep. say is typical in real estate. So tell me more about that. In your training and coaching, do you approach working with women differently than men? Well, I, I, okay. And again, anytime we get into specifics with men and women, but I, I will say this, you know, I've trained 3 million people and we've coached 100,000 more. So I can give you some observations. What I found is that first quality of voracious openness to learn. I think women tend to be more naturally open to learn. I think one of the challenges for men is we feel like we're supposed to have the answers or not having the answer is a sign of weakness to some degree. And so I find a, a lot of the women on my database are extremely open to learn. And we recommend a book. They go get the book. And they go read the book. And they go apply it. And so yeah, that's been a natural progression. I'd say about 60% of the real estate business is women. But probably 65% of the, of the business owners we coach are women. Um, and they add a lot of flavor to life. And a lot of, you know, I mean, Warren Buffett talks about how last 50 years America did so great. But up until the 50s and 60s, we were only using half our workforce. And so he's very bullish on America because now we have all this talent and all this style and all this creativity that's entered the workforce. It's pretty phenomenal. So, Brian, the book is called The Immigrant Edge, How to Make It Big in America. Who's the audience? Is it, is it only those who have come from a different land? Or can you speak to Americans who were born and raised here? Well, that's ultimately who the book is for. And, and what I, you know, right now, uh, Caroline, the number one hobby in America that just passed gardening is studying your own ancestry. And the, no yes. the number one search on the internet is your ancestry. And so what I want people to do is to tap into that DNA that's in their past. You know, someone in their past paid a big price for them to be here right now. And the question I would have is, what would those people think of your opportunity? And what would those people think of your problems? And I think if you thought like your ancestors, like your predecessors, and you looked at your opportunity, you go, wow, this is unbelievable. I actually have the chance of a lifetime right sitting in front of me. And the problems that I think are these mountains, what would someone who, who may be like our ancestors, Caroline, who came here on a coffin ship, right, and came over, and, and uh, what would they do with your opportunity? And, and then what would they think of what you're doing? They'd be proud of you, they'd be fired up, and they'd go, that's a great opportunity, go for it. And the problems we think we have are the things that get us all down. They'd go, boy, that's really not a problem at all. Let's cut through that and let's go for it. So I really want to, to remind people who they are, where they came from, 
what's in their DNA. These seven principles are 100% transferable. My children have the emigrant edge, and yet they were all born in America. My employees, I've taught hundreds of my employees this, and they have the emigrant edge. And our clients, our typical real estate clients, earn 10 times that in their nearest competition. So they, you, can, you can absolutely adapt to the edge, you can develop the edge, and you can live, uh, live the, the emigrant lifestyle, even if you're born and raised here. Brian, you are a joy. What a delight to have you on the show. Thank you for joining me today on Your Working Life. And I want to remind the audience, the book is called The Emigrant Edge, How to Make It Big in America. And as you mentioned, it's a New York Times bestseller. Good on you, as my grandmother would say. It's available widely, certainly in Amazon, but also booksellers, retail stores all over the world. Brian, thank you. I so enjoyed our conversation, and I hope our paths continue to cross. Thanks for having me, Carolyn. So if you like the show, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. And even better, leave us a review and let me know what career-related questions you have so I can address those topics on a future show. You can tweet me at cdowdhiggins or send me an email at caroline at carolinedowdhiggins.com. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. Thanks for listening.